Hi everyone, this is Dina McKay and welcome back to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. You can find full show notes for this episode at blacktechunplugged.com. This is episode 12 and on this episode I have the pleasure of interviewing Camille Eddy. On this episode we discuss how to get your LinkedIn profile noticed, what it's like to be a black woman with a STEM major at a PWI, and probably most importantly, a few black tech women you need to be following on Twitter. Now, let's get it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I'm your host, Dina McKay, and I am joined today by the wonderful Camille Eddy, who is an intern at Google X. Hello, Camille. Hi. So, Camille, you are an intern at Google X, and do you want to give the listeners a little background of what you're doing? Sure. So I'm working in robotics and hardware at Google X, and it's been really fun, um, really cool to engage the team there and um, also be a part of the amazing culture. And I'm assuming you're learning a lot at your internship and that you're enjoying your time at Google X? Yeah, lots to learn, uh, things that I never really thought that I needed to learn, too. So it's really great to kind of pick up, go into, I mean, I've been in the robotics uh, world for a little bit, but to go into a different space with different people who have different experiences and kind of learn from them and learn their take on it and w- what more I can do and apply my skills to the field. So that's that's really fun. And then on top of that, the intern life, um, being with all the other interns who come from all over the place, from like from other countries even, that's really great to be able to work with some really outstanding peers. They also add value to my experience. So it's been great all around. Great. I like that you're being exposed to other cultures and other people who are in the STEM field. And a question that will be helpful for a lot of STEM students who are looking to get internships, can you talk a little bit about how you were able to secure an internship? Yeah, so I have a kind of unique story when it comes to getting internships. Um, I was able to kind of put myself out there as far as my LinkedIn profile and um, my blog and things like that. So for this internship that I'm in, they actually called me. They found my LinkedIn profile and said, hey, we would like to interview you for an internship. And um, that was a really like incredible opportunity, but it kind of speaks to being able to put, you know, your work out there, being visible with what you've done and people will naturally gravitate to it. So um, there are, of course, the other, you know, more traditional ways of applying. And one of the things I always tell other interns, and and I've actually been able to do this as an intern at Google, is, you know, have someone else on the inside, like once you apply, use the regular method of applying to an internship, have someone else there on the inside that can say, hey, um, managing team, I know this person, and I think you should take a look at their um, resume. Um, I've been able to do that for some of the other people, not just in this internship, but also in my last internship at HP, where um, someone said, hey, I'm interested in this job. I know you work at HP. Um, Is there a way that you can help um, me out? And so I would be able to send a resume to the correct person, um, like a recruiter or someone else that's in the HR department and be able to say, hey, this person applied to a position and here's the resume um, and they would be able to say hey I can also go in and their application out of the stack and present it to the hiring manager so there are a lot of different ways to enter into internships um, and I've been really lucky and fortunate in both internships both this one at Google and the one at HP to actually be called 
um, saying like, hey, we saw what you've done. We think that you've done great work and we like to see if you would fit with our team. And so um, definitely find find your routes, but then find ways to put your information out there. Be comfortable with that as well. So one thing that I like that you said was that they found you via your LinkedIn profile. Do you have some tips maybe for students or even people who are looking to get jobs? How did you make your LinkedIn profile, get, I guess, get in the eyes of the right people? Yeah. So one of the important things to think about when you think about LinkedIn is it doesn't work um, just like Facebook or just like Twitter, because when the recruiters or whoever is going on LinkedIn, they're going to look at, they're looking by jobs or by expertise. So a couple of things that I do on my profile is when I have a summary that lists I'm looking for opportunities. So make use of that summary that you can tell your whole story on, you know? So one of the very first things I do before the fold, you know, how it like gives you a preview and then it says show more. Before it says show more, I make sure to say that I am actively looking for opportunities in such and such field. And I try to be specific because one of the things I've learned is it's much easier for people to help you if they know what they need to help you with. So be specific. Maybe it's going to change in the next couple of years. And maybe you're going to, as a student, especially you're going to move to like a different interest or a different field interest. But for any given amount of time or some specific amount of time, being able to say, I specifically want to go into this industry will help those recruiters or those people that want to help you be able to do that. The other thing I do is when I I list a lot of experiences, I don't just stick to jobs that I got paid for or that I feel like are prestigious enough. I make sure I list a wealth of different experiences from the research positions I've had to the jobs I've had to speaking opportunities as well. And so I can show a breadth of knowledge in all these different sectors. I make sure to include pictures and links to content because that's really important. And also it's important to put it in your experience section versus like your volunteers or honor section because that experience section just explodes and it's one of the main draws of your page. And then the very last thing I'll mention is I have listed under my skills. There's this portion of LinkedIn that is says like list your skills and then you can have people endorse you for those skills. I make a lot of use out of that. And I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that this is one of the things that LinkedIn pulls up when someone says, hey, I want to look for young students in machine learning or engineering. That's one of the things that helps LinkedIn populate those search results. So all those things at the end of the day, I'm looking at how many times I pop up in search results because that's that's how you're going to connect with people outside your network. And then one more, one more tip is connect with whoever you can. Um, last summer, I had a goal to get to 500 plus connections and I've gone well beyond that now. But my thinking is there are so many people like, um, for example, take someone really prestigious like Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama isn't currently in my network. So my goal is to connect to as many people as I can, maybe a million people over my lifespan. And maybe eventually Michelle Obama will be in my network, right? So it's the same kind of thinking for recruiters from those top companies that you really want to be a part of. Find ways get to make them a second connection and get closer to being in your network. And then make sure you do contact them. I know last year I learned a really cool tip about Google and if you do contact a recruiter on Google, they generally do reply. And so don't be afraid to, to do those cold calling and reaching out to those specific people who have the power to put your resume on top of the stack. 
can uh, and don't just apply to um, an internship. Make sure you do more to get yourself out of that application stack with everybody else by knowing someone else in the company. Those are amazing tips. I hope everyone was taking notes. One thing that I want to go back and highlight and kind of talk about is you talked about networking with people in various companies. For instance, when you were working at HP, someone wanted to apply and they you passed their resume into the company. Can you put in a good word for me? So how do you find those people and connect with them? Yeah, I think it really comes from going out. Instead of just saying, hey, I want to do something, you really do have to get out there and meet people. Even though we have great social media, sometimes we kind of get a little, we kind of lower expectations, but there's nothing that can really replace the good old handshake, you know, and looking someone in the eye saying, telling them their story, your story with enthusiasm. So go to go to physical networking events, but also on on social media, make sure you do more than just connect with somebody or follow them on Twitter, actually engage with them and try to try to get your story into their hands. So these are people from like engineers who work in a company to HR and recruiting staff. Um, to even putting out really cool stories about the work that you've done so that when someone reads it, maybe it comes across someone's Facebook feed or Twitter feed, a great story that you wrote. They'll say, wow, that was really amazing what you just did and what I read that I do want to connect with you. You never know when someone's going to say yes. So it's really good to go out and just ask people, can can you mentor me? Can you connect with me? Can um, I send you my resume? It's good to make those specific asks, even to someone that you haven't really had a long history with. So people are actually really excited to help when someone asks, like, oh, they actually asked me to help them. And it, it makes them feel special sometimes. So it's okay to ask somebody that you just met, someone that you just met at a networking event, somebody that you connected with on LinkedIn. If they connected back with you, if they also held out their hand for a handshake, that's enough invitation to say, I see where you're working and I would like to know if I can offer you my resume, talk to you a little bit about what I do. Um, and then also it's good practice to say, and what can I do for you? So I have an ask, but I also have an offer of a way that I can also, you know, benefit you as well. So having that reciprocal relationship is maybe not something that we're naturally thinking about, but it does work. And um, people are, are usually pretty gracious. And if someone's not gracious, then you just move on to the next person because there's a million other people that you can connect with. And that's kind of how I approach that. That's an awesome approach. And I definitely agree with all the tips and uh, advice that you've been giving the listeners so far about how to get seen, especially for the LinkedIn profile information and just networking in general. Let's switch gears because you did talk about meeting people in person. And I know on your personal blog, you do blog about tech, but you also talk about the events that you attend. So let's give the listeners background on your blog and what they can find on there. Sure. Yeah. I On my blog, on my personal blog, I try to talk about some of the cool places I've been and, and where I've gone to speak and meet people and to network. I love this thing called like the action shot, like being able to be in action with people. So recently I gave a talk in Washington, D.C., and I, I'm planning to write about that where I got to talk about culture bias and artificial intelligence. And that was really fun opportunity to just like be in a new community to talk about something that's really passionate to me. And then other things that I've blogged about is like space research, going to NASA Johnson Space Center to do research. 
for NASA with a team. I was team lead for our microgravity undergraduate research teams at Boise State, which is pretty exciting. So uh, it's like a catalog of my STEM adventures, but also how um, I've used them to do other things besides just study engineering. I've used it to travel, to go places. I've never been to D.C., so being able to go to D.C. for this industry was really cool. And also I kind of use words like it's my ticket out of Boise. Boise, Idaho is a smaller town, not a whole lot uh, going on in robotics. And so I use it as my way to go and network with those people who are likely to get me, you know, opportunities in robotics industry, you know, to shake those hands, like I was mentioning earlier. And so it's it's just a, a, a collection of my fun experiences um, surrounding STEM. And what I like about your blog is that you also describe your different adventures that you go on. For instance, I know you had a post recently about attending Pride, or you had another post where you describe breaking up in the process and how that affects you. What made you want to be more vulnerable on your blog? I think it came back to my original online community when I was growing up. I was 12 when I started coding, creating websites, and really getting involved. And there was a community of young bloggers there. And we were, it was a community from all over the world. So I got my first international experience through this network of young bloggers we were also learning how to code. And we were like really vulnerable with each other. We would talk about all kinds of things and we'd comment and post encouraging words. And so then as I grew up, I kind of um, fell away from blogging, especially as school started. Um, but I realized that, you know, there are stories to be had and to be told that people are interested in. And I, I try to curate that in a way, you know, I, I don't, I don't share every, every personal story that I have because I try to look at what actually is uh, maybe more difficult conversations or conversations that haven't been heard from this perspective. And especially in my community, I always keep in mind where I'm at, right? I'm at Boise or I'm in an intern pool of students that um, feel like maybe they don't have a voice just yet. And I kind of keep that in mind as well as like, how can you share um, the things that you're doing and how that help define who you are in this broader scheme of things? How help you put information out there that other people can tack on and maybe um, find ways to either help you or to join the conversation. And so, you know, I try to be, I try to be open and honest. I try not to do a lot of fluff where it's just like, oh, like everything's nice or um, it really, it just is my opinion with no type of like backup or background without any like type of concrete evidence about why I believe what I believe. And so I try to use that as a way to share, to share well, but then also to kind of get the conversation going um, positively. And if anything else, um, if someone wants to question what my beliefs are, um, say, oh, well, I, I think I know what, what Camille's doing. They can always go to my blog and check it out and be able to tell exactly what they are. So I, I kind of use it that way too, as, as a way to say, hey, this is definitely on record. Um, what I think, because there's a lot of ambiguity out there, you know, today in the world, if you like a certain post or apply to something, you know, especially on these really important, crucial conversations and issues that we're dealing with, I think it's important to get out there and try to engage in civil discourse. And so that's kind of my feelings on, you know, being able to go out there and be vulnerable and kind of talk about more personal things. I think that's awesome because a lot of, like I mentioned before, the tech blogs don't really give that space for a person to be more candid with their experiences. 
And I know you were mentioning you you go to Boise State, which is in Idaho. Mm-hmm. What is that experience like? Because not too many people of color are in Idaho. Right. I go to Boise State University and I'm studying mechanical engineering. Yeah. And so it is in Idaho. It's a predominantly white institution. So a PWI. Um, it's an interesting experience as far as like engineering goes. It's I've had really cool opportunities as far as representing the engineering campus. Um, I got to introduce President Obama when he came to my school as an engineering student, saying like, hey, this is great. Welcome to Boise State. And and so from there, you know, that's when I got my first internship because of that exposure. I got my first internship at HP. And then I've also had opportunities to like speak to freshmen and do that kind of thing outside of the College of Engineering. We've been working a lot on, on campus culture as far as racism and prejudice um, because we have a lot of issues with that. But I, I, I find it's just one hurdle to overcome. And it's been challenging but revealing in a lot of ways about you know how to deal with someone who doesn't like you just because of the color of your skin or how to deal with difficult conversations um that have really high stakes like if like when you go into a room it's like if they don't get it they don't understand what i'm saying about this particular topic i mean what does that mean and trying to balance that so it comes with you know its own stress on top of school and things like that but one, especially in this election, this previous election, um, my my other friends who aren't in Idaho have been reminding me about the importance of, you know, coming from a community like this, because my family's there. I've been there since I was 14 in Boise, Idaho. So coming from a community like that and being able to have those crucial and just difficult conversations, um, because, uh, you know, we live in a really polarized world. So bringing the conversation to light, even though it can be hard, and it is added stress on top of schoolwork is just something that I've kind of learned to live with. And I have a great community of uh, student leaders who also kind of help me and we kind of work together. We actually were able to get $20,000 from our student government. Um, we kind of pulled it, but we got it from them to start an inclusive excellence council. So it's one of the many steps that we're trying to take to kind of improve our campus culture, raise the awareness from our fellow peers and our administrators about the need to, you know, really push the needle in Idaho as far as inclusivity goes. Um, They're kind of behind in that regard. But other than that, I'm not a really outdoors person. Most people think about outdoors when they think about Idaho, but Boise is a nice city life. And I've been having, I've been progressing and, and really figuring out who I am and what my place is in this world through my experiences there. And all the changes that you're making at Boise State are amazing. But I do have to ask, because it is a PWI and you're a minority studying in a STEM major, are there any obstacles or barriers that you have to overcome? Yeah, um, I have a lot of barriers as far as, you know, just peer relationships, because I am one of the only Black students in the room and one of the only Black females in the room. Sometimes I experience a barrier in like forming study groups and things like that. Um, Also, I've been, I have been the president and one of two members of our chapter, the National Society of Black Engineers. And it's been really difficult, not only getting like student support and faculty support from the school, but also support from like the national um, organization of NSBE. So it's been really hard to get like the attention that um, I felt was due to students of color and engineering. And we have other other groups and other sanctioned groups by Boise State, like 
that say, like, we're going to put money into these organizations. This is where we think the education should go. And sometimes it's hard to kind of express yourself in that. And so what I've been doing is, you know, going through this process of understanding what I want to do and understand that no one can stop me from doing what I want to do. Like just because someone didn't give me money or someone didn't give me the support doesn't mean that that's somehow permission for me to stop pushing for how I want to express myself. So that's where kind of like the speaking engagements and going outside the state, um, taking internships outside the state kind of came in because I was saying, well, this is what I want to do. And if I can't do it here, that's not an excuse for me to just not do it. And then as far as like gaining those peer relationships, it just comes slowly trying to figure out other ways to work around that because you need those study groups in engineering. You need that, that peer support. And so just trying to figure out what works every year, you know, I give myself a clean slate and say, here, we're going to start over and we're going to try this again. We're going to try things differently. It really comes down to resilience and, and also patience, just not giving up on yourself not giving up on the people around you. And like this past school year has been seeing some tremendous change on campus that if I'd given up three years, any time within the past three years before that, I would have missed out on, on a great blessing and a great movement as far as where we're going at Boise State and the student leadership at Boise State. It's not where it needs to be, but that progress is helping me, you know, look, to not necessarily look forward, but look to, uh, I'm not very excited, but you know, I can still look to continuing and finishing out at Boise State um, with a degree and, and keep pushing, even though I know, now I know the drill, right? I know what it's going to be like, you know, I've been there for a while, but I can't keep progressing because um, I have faith in the people around me. Great. And I know you speak about speaking and using your voice. And then you, I know that you personally, oh, quite a few speaking engagements. So when you do your speaking engagements, what are you talking about to the crowd? Yeah. So I've spoken a couple of times in San Francisco. I've been to DC. I've spoken um, in Boise and around Boise. And generally, in the in when I was beginning this kind of speaking practice, I guess you could call it, I was speaking about student leadership. And so student leadership and space research I would talk about that or student leadership in clubs and organizations. So, for example, I started a club on campus called the Space Broncos, and we put together a team of inexperienced, um, some people weren't even in STEM, and it was a group of people that were just interested in space. That was the only criteria to enter into the program. And we created a virtual reality simulation in Mars um, in the Gear VR. And we didn't even know how to program VR before we started, but we learned it through the school semesters and came out with this awesome um, simulation. And so I went and in San Francisco specifically and spoke about student leadership and space research and how student leadership is really important, um, how student leadership is viable and possible to produce really great results, that we shouldn't be discounting students based on, on their age or um, on the fact that they've had most of their experience in school up to this point, you know? Um, so I, I spoke on that. And then I've also spoke on cultural bias and artificial intelligence. And this is something that I'm currently working in because in my previous internship, I was working on machine learning and robotics. And so I talk about the need to have, we always talk about having a diverse engineering core, having more diversity in STEM and, and computer science. I, and I stress that as well as stressing the importance for the need of diversity in our user base. 
because it's users who have problems um, connecting or problems being misidentified by facial recognition based on their skin color or being recognized by speech recognition because of their accents. Those experiences are what's going to, for the future, shape how we design our um, our technology. So we need intentional design. And I touch on that and the importance of that. Go through some examples of how artificial intelligence is here. It's already prevalent in everything we do. It's already kind of running um, our lives in, to some point and how it's already seen some mistakes that we're programming our own unconscious bias into these programs, from sexism to racism to colorism to all these things are starting to pop up. And they're taking care of these problems. The technology companies are taking care of these problems, but they're reactive. And so the need to get proactive, to use more data in your data sets, to be able to understand why artificial intelligence models make the decisions that they make, you know, being able to understand why it chose this over something else, why we give it an accuracy, because maybe it's not making the decisions that we think it's making. And I try to stress that it's really important to have that inclusivity um, in our intention and in our design so that we don't design a future where pockets of our population segments of communities are invisible to the technology that's going to one day be running our lives seamlessly. So I kind of touch on, on all those issues. Given that you've done quite a few speaking engagements, is there one that particularly sticks out in your mind and why? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, want, I think I'll go back to the Washington, D.C. talk because that was, I gave that talk in the on culture bias and artificial intelligence after I'd kind of practiced it about two other times in front of larger audiences. So I felt like I was coming into this speech really knowing really having intimate knowledge with this talk and with what I was going to present and how I was going to present it. And this one was also recorded. So it was really great to like have that afterwards. And I got a standing ovation as well, which is my first time for with a standing ovation for a crowd that large because it's at a nonprofit technology conference. And seeing how people reacted to it, especially like the people that came up to me after the speech, talking to me about how it resonated with them, really it kind of really sparked my interest in the fact that there are people who are non-technical and technical who are still exploring some of these issues. And by bringing this awareness to that broad of an audience, I mean, it was a pretty broad audience. So there's so many different skill levels that all were able to benefit from this talk by, you know, a senior in college, by being able to present these ideas um, and bring something new to people I didn't even know, that was kind of like a thought bomb. It's like, okay, what else can we all be talking about from our experiences and from talking about things that intersect with us? Like how I, we've been doing it for a long time, but just for me to be able to kind of enter into this space and see that it could really create some really good impact, just kind of propelled me more on my want and my desire to become a good science and engineering ed, um, communicator to communicate things about what I've learned and what I've experienced to a group of people, whether they're technical or not. And, and that was just really inspiring for like me personally. And um, I think it's going to be like one of those things I look back to as far as like where I kind of really started my journey on science and engineering communication, which is what 
I want to do besides just being an engineer. I think it's really important to have that experiential voice of being an actual engineer, but also to be able to go and advocate for engineering and talk about it in a way that more audiences can get engaged. Right. And personally, I know that science and engineering is a hard field to be in, especially as a Black woman. Are there some women that really inspire you and have helped you find your place in the space? Yes, absolutely. I I would not be here without these wonderful, powerful, um, especially these powerful women of color who have led me on my way. So first off, shout out to my mom, of course. Um, She really, when I told her I wanted to be an engineer, even though I, I like to say I'm a first um, first-generation STEM student. Um, my family's background is not in engineering or STEM. So when I told my mom I wanted to be an engineer, she's like, okay, well, I mean, that's better than what you were saying earlier about going to the Air Force. So I am all for this. She was really excited about that. She never discouraged me um, from doing that. And in fact, when we moved to Boise, Idaho, um, in the vicinity of Boise State University, we had been there for like less than 30 days. And she was already dragging me down to the Boise State campus to go learn about their engineering programs for high school students. And so she was definitely one that got me plugged in, plugged into Boise State, understanding like my interest in space um, and getting me there and just driven there. Um, and then also out here in the Bay Area, there are some amazing, amazing women of color that I've been able to talk to and rely on. Um, Dr. Janice Samani is one of one lady that she's been really influential in like helping me go places that to network and talk to people to understand like the big picture as far as like where I'm going, not just like the present and like making it great, but like how does this add to my future? Um, there's Leslie Slayton Brown, who is the chief diversity officer at HP, who actually is a Boise State alumni, which is like amazing to me. And um, I got to hang out with her a couple of times, hear her speak and talk, hear how she presents um, the diversity problem and how she influences the people up in high ranks at HP to kind of consider certain issues. And I think that's just so cool to see her influence and how she spreads it and really makes a good impact. Um, if you haven't seen some of the new HP um, commercials, Centering on Diversity in the Workplace, I totally suggest you check them out. They are amazing. They're direct and to the point and they have Leslie's fingerprints all over it as far as, you know, really speaking effectively about the issues. Um, and then there are just, and there are quite a few other women that I've just been able to hang out with talk to see their example because that's the other thing there's Kuova Alaire who runs Girls STEM Stars and I was able to help her this summer organize an outreach for other black girls to learn coding we did a made with code event just seeing other women of color influence the conversation I think that's really important as far as being able to say okay I do advocate diversity I do advocate more black people in tech I do advocate more women of color in tech But then I'm also going to rely on women of color who are leading these organizations to kind of help fill my brain and inspire me and show me, you know, where the next step is. I think that's really important to kind of enter into space and then have those leaders in those spaces represent the population they're trying to benefit. And and that's why I'm really I'm really thankful to all those women and the many more I didn't mention for just taking time with me, answering my emails and sitting down with me and, and just being there. That's great. And speaking of women who inspire you, I know you created a list of 200 women of color on Twitter. 
and it was inspired by a few other lists that were created, such as the Yes We Tech, 161 Black Women in Tech to follow mm -hmm. on Twitter, and there was another list, 185 Women of Color in Tech to also follow on Twitter. So what made you create your list of women to follow? Yeah, so I discovered those two different lists created by Jenna Bob a couple, like a year ago. Um, and I was really like, oh, wow, I need to like increase my social media presence. I need to make sure I'm following these women of color. And then I realized some of them, you know, because it was an older list, you know, some of them weren't as active anymore. And so um, I was like, oh, OK, well, that's a shame. And then also within that year that I did that, I got exposed to so many that her list that she provided was such a great starting point to just entering the space of other women of color in fact that um, it kind of, I was finding other people and getting exposed to other stories. And so then I had all these additional people that I had found and I kind of want to put that all together, kind of put together an updated list of my own of people I knew were active, then also add in some new people that I had met in person. So there is quite a few people that I had met down here and then also of the other people I've been exposed to, like Dr. Jada Aya Isser, who I forgot to mention previously, is another great woman of color that inspires me. She's the first Black woman to graduate with an astrophysics PhD from Yale. And she was an amazing person. She also has her own um, diversity organization called Vanguard STEM. So people like that, people that I had met and been exposed to because of this seed that had been planted of other people to follow that could really like contribute to the conversation in a, in a really good way, you know, in an experiential way. And from there, I was really inspired to keep that, that kind of network, uh, social media keeps me going through the school year when I'm kind of isolated out in Idaho, you know, and there's no, there's, there's very few Black faculty, there's very few Black students in engineering that I wanted to bring in a collection of all these great people that I kind of rely on to keep me up to date with what's happening in Black tech news and also just to see their own Black excellence and to cheer them on. It really helps me feel like I'm connected to the bigger, broader, badder community that is Blacks and technology. So that's understandable. I know because when you're at Boise State, it's probably of a different atmosphere as opposed to now when you're in Silicon Valley. So yes. it's awesome to see that you created something that can keep you inspired and keep you going. So one thing that you kind of glanced over is when you had the chance to announce President, well, former President Barack Obama before he spoke at Boise. So let's talk about your experience with that because that is yes. amazing. How'd you get that opportunity? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll try to give the short version of the story. I mean, it's a really great story and I totally be open to going into it more. So I was, this was during my second year at Boise State and I was working on the NASA research. There's a NASA research project we were working on and I got a call from the Dean of College of Engineering um, who asked me if I wanted to possibly introduce President Obama. And I was like, Sure. And she's like, well, we have to vet you. So, you know, just hang on. And so basically, I just went back into the room and didn't say a thing. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell anyone. I was like, well, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I won't set myself up for a huge disappointment. Um, but then I was waiting for an early lab. Like I was going to like a physics lab or something. It was like 7 a.m. or something like that. Really dark. And my phone starts ringing with this really odd ringtone. And I pick up and it's and the voice on the other says, hello, this is the White House, and we would like to know if you are still interested in introducing President Obama. So this was about two days before he came, 
And so I had two days to write a speech to do dress rehearsal. I got to bring my mom in to come sit with me on the side of the stage the day that he came. And also uh, got to go backstage. They took me, me, myself, without my mom, unfortunately, but they took me, myself, back to a backstage where there's a room with senators and congressmen and, and community leaders, just really important people, former governors. And we were all back there to shake hands, take a picture of the president. And that's when I first got to meet him. I got to shake his hand. And that was amazing. I mean, he was bigger than life. He was really nice, really genuine. He makes you feel like you're the only person in the world when he's talking to you because he does that thing where he's just very charismatic and just like, just like looks at you like, wow, I'm really happy that you're here. I'm happy to meet you. And so I thought that was it. I went, I didn't go back to my seat. I actually went backstage. The Secret Service man took me backstage to wait to give my speech. I was practicing my speech, pacing back and forth. And all of a sudden, uh, President Obama is walking out the back right towards me. And we have um, a small conversation. It was more him talking than I was. But we talk, he's mentioned how he's really proud that I was in STEM, that he thinks that it's great work that I was doing. And I was really honored. I mean, for me, this is quite the shock because I hadn't even really had time to prepare. I had like all three days notice. But surprisingly, I wasn't nervous. I got up on stage, gave that speech. And I was really surprised when I got to the end of it, too. Because I was like, oh, wow, I I finished. I'm dead. (laughs) And I got to sit back down. He even mentioned me in his speech. This was really cool that he would mention me like that um, during his speech. And yeah, it was a really exciting time. And it brought a lot of exposure. Like I said, by being on TV, having that speech recorded, other people saw it. And that eventually led to my first internship and being called. And someone asking, hey, would you like to intern at HP? Because part of that, again, with putting yourself out there is I shared some of the research I was doing in my speech. The president then reiterated some of the research I was doing. And so that kind of led, like, it really led to some great exposure um, based on what I had done previously. It led to my first internship. So my my rule is, my rule of thumb, I I have two really strong rules is to say yes to every new opportunity and never do anything twice. So I definitely said yes to that opportunity and it, it brought it brought about uh, some really great things, but then also a really great experience to meet the president of the United States. So basically you're living your year of yes, like Shonda Rhimes with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's several years of yes. I try to say yes. <laughs> I was going to say, I say narrow it down though, because if you say yes to everything, you're going to be really tired. So I narrow it down by saying not doing anything twice. <laughs> Gotcha. So is there any ever a time that you said yes and you kind of, I don't want to say you regret it, say yes, but it kind of was a strenuous task and you were like, man, I, maybe I shouldn't have said yes to this. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to be working on that this year. There's some things I've said yes to and kind of committed to, and they're not like strong commitments, you know. So I think one of the things I'm going to try to do this year is try to pull back on the things that I say yes to that don't really fit within my personal um, brand. I know it's kind of young to say as a young person, as someone not even graduated, say like I have a personal brand, I have a personal mission. Um, but I don't think it's that weird. I know what where I'm trying to go, where I'm trying to get into, what industry I want to get into, even if it might change down the road. So one of the things I think I'm going to do is kind of reevaluate all the things that I'm involved with um, at school and say, like, does this actually help me make the next leap? And I have a very specific leap. I want to leap Boise. That's, that's one leap. I want to go into the tech field. That's another leap. 
And then also, I want to be able to um, make a significant impact in um, science and engineering education and communication for young students and be able to get them some of the same experiences or exposure that I've had. So, like, I think I'm going to narrow my focus from maybe even things like NSBE, maybe things like, you know, where you have the ability to have a broader impact on the school is like I shared a lot with the school um, in this past few years. And I think I'm going to try to narrow down my focus so that I can really be successful with my goals instead of just the goal of being a student in leadership and grabbing every accolade that you can, you know, and trying to get stuff stuffed into your resume. Um, I think I'm, I'll take a step back and and try to really evaluate where I want to go with that. So yeah, maybe something like Nesby might disappear from my list next year. We'll see. I mean, it's always important to reevaluate your priorities and see where you're going, right? So that's a great plan. And you mentioned that it sounded kind of silly because you feel like your brand is early on, but you introduced Barack Obama. He mentioned you in his speech. I think at that point that your brand is real (laughs) and it's never too early to think about what, where you want that to go. So don't feel like that's silly to say that you're planning your brand. I think that's the the smart thing to do. And actually let's talk about your future. So you mentioned you want to leave Boise, you think in the future, do you have any idea where you would want to go next? Yeah, I really love the Bay area. I mean, being out here for two summers um, has taught me that I actually do enjoy this area. It's not just like wishful thinking or like, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I, I I believe that I'm probably going to want to stay here, come out here and stay here for like maybe like the first five years and then reevaluate after that. I want to be opposed to like going international, but also just, you know, being in engineering, being in, in robotics, most likely. But another point, another decision that I kind of made is to not really go to grad school. Grad school isn't my in-all be-all, only because I really love social impact. And even at X and at my internships that I've been at, there's a social impact component that I really just don't know that I would get from like going to get a PhD in mechanical engineering or something, unless I was at a very specific program with a specific professor. So if that fails, if that idea fails of doing social impact in grad school, I'm going to go ahead and opt out of grad school and really go for the jobs and the places where I can get that real experience, but also provide the the blending of engineering and social impact. It's not just about creating a good um, engineering model to make profit and to get more technology out there in the world, but understanding, you know, where we're going and how we're going to affect the countries. I'm really a big supporter of getting the rest of the world online because one of the problems that we have is, you know, how is the rest of the world going to be affected or even um, excluded from the global conversation? Because, you know, we've been building the internet and technology for so long based on the needs of a few. And um, I really want to push that boundary of understanding the social impact, being predict the markers for success when we expand and bring technology, new technology to people. And I don't think that I'm necessarily going to get that from like just any old grad program. So um, thinking that I want to come out here, come out here to Silicon Valley um, for a couple of years and then just try to go wherever, you know, the one leads as far as creating social impact and technology. I'm glad that you're focused on social impact. I think that's going to be two components that are going to come together, especially in the next decade. 
on the subject of community, you volunteer quite a bit. So what organizations do you volunteer with? Yeah, there are a couple that I really love that I really give to my heart. Um, I volunteered in the past at Black Girls Code, which is a main organization. If you are near um, a chapter, totally suggest that you get involved because they do some really cool um, work that's really effective for the community. Um, I've also, this past summer, I mentioned briefly, I volunteered for Cuba Lair's program called Girl STEM Stars. <laughs> but Cuba Lair, Girl STEM Stars, and we put together a program for Black girls to learn how to code. Um, another really great program, also led by women of color. So really pay attention to those programs where there are women of color leaders. And then back home, I volunteer... Um, usually every year, I wasn't able to do it this summer, but with a really amazing organization called Royal Family Kids Camp, which is a camp for abuse and neglected foster kids, um, which is another great organization that needs volunteers. So, and it's usually by region. And um, I really love that camp because they really treat those kids with so much like respect and just honor and they treat them royally. That's kind of the idea of the camp. Um, and so I'm really, really passionate about volunteering. Yes. And I think that that's something that you can do like we like to kind of clamor to the gate to be called allies um and so in this this kind of time where being an ally is really hip I think it's also really important to kind of look at what you can do and how you can gauge your intent you're like I intend to help versus your impact and what you actually do to actually um help and move the conversation and move forward so that's kind of what I look for when I go to volunteer and I think that there are some really good organizations out there led by really great people that that are moving the needle on the conversations. I volunteer for Black Girls Code in Chicago, so I know that is a wonderful organization, and I'm glad you volunteer for them, too. Yeah. So we've talked about a lot today, and Camille, I just want to thank you for being on the episode. I really appreciate you taking your time to be on Black Tech Unplugged. Thank you for listening to episode 12 of Black Tech Unplugged. If you're a new listener or haven't subscribed already, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to the podcast and subscribe. And if you really enjoyed the show, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And don't forget to share this with your friends and look up hashtag Black Tech Unplugged to see what everyone's talking about from previous episodes. Until next time.